0: Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman is one of the other partners and sitting across the table from me, Elizabeth, we are going to talk about elder law issues. And particularly what I thought we'd talk about today is some advice for people who are not who are named on powers of attorney and trusts and other documents, but not as the next person. So let me kind of explain and set this up. I sign a power of attorney that names, say, my son as my financial agent. Maybe I did a trust naming his him as the successor trustee as well. But I've named you as the second successor in case he can't do things or he gets disgusted and quits or uh, whatever reason, maybe he's not going to be be there be available what's what are you supposed to do how much information do you need right now once I sign the documents what questions should you be asking are you even going to know that you've been named as the alternate
1: this is really good topic Robert because we see this come up in the estate planning context when we're meeting with people so in your example if you and I were sitting down and having an estate planning meeting and I was drafting your documents this often comes up Because people don't necessarily think that after they've nominated an agent or a successor trustee that they should actually think about a backup to the agent or a backup to the successor trustee. So we see this come up in those conversations. We also see it come up when we are working with a family, somebody who may be administering a trust as a successor trustee or who is taking care of a loved one or friend who's serving as an agent. And the person may come in and say you know, Elizabeth, do I have a duty to inform my backup in case something happens to me? Do I have a duty to share information with the second successor trustee who is nominated in the document? What what does that relationship look like? So first of all, I think I, I tell people, your documents, when you create your estate plans, they're your documents to share. And across the board, Fleming and Curdy does not take a standard Standard response and apply it to all estate planning cases. So, Robert, my my notice to most people is well. It's great that you've done some estate planning. It's great that you've got an agent who can step in if you need help. It's probably a good idea to make sure that person would know where your documents are in an emergency. But it's really up to you about whether you want to share copies of your powers of attorney or a copy of your trust. So, there's really not a one-size-fits-all answer. The questions about, gosh, do I have a duty to inform somebody who I've nominated? No, you don't. I tell most people that if you're in a situation where you expect, say, within the next year, two years, three years, four years, that you really may need somebody to step in then it's probably a good idea to make sure you've talked with our office about whether we can release copies of documents to that person in an emergency. Because as you know, Robert, we we take our clients and their confidentiality seriously. The other set of examples that I gave everybody here about what happens when we are counseling a trustee or an agent and they ask, well, what is my duty to inform my backup? really that is that is up to you and the person who created the documents we think for most people if the principal or the grantor whoever may have created the trust or may have created the power of attorney has the capacity to have that conversation about sharing information sharing documents you need to include that person you know the person established those documents you really need to talk to them before starting to share information down the line But in cases where we find that the successor trustee or the agent may be traveling regularly, um, may not have the propensity to continue serving. Those are conversations, Robert, when we do talk about how to share information and how much information to share.
0: People almost never really think about the possibility that the person they've named as agent or trustee might, might be incapacitated themselves. And and it's true that the documents that we prepare, we'd like to tell people they really have a five-year life expectancy of their own. In five years, things will change. And so you're probably pretty comfortable that your son or your daughter or whoever you've named uh, is probably going to be able to act for the next five years. But what about 10 years? What about 12 years? What if you don't get back in to make changes? And so you really do need to have a backup person and some sort of understanding about about how that transition might occur. It's also true that if you, say, create a trust that goes on some years after you die, well, the trustee is going to need to, to continue to act for some years after you die. So it's not a one-year, one-and-done kind of uh, a job. It's also true, as you uh, suggested, Elizabeth, that, that uh, the duty to be a trustee or agent under a power of attorney Uh, is not an honor it's a job it's hard work it's difficult to do everything and to do it well so you have to recognize the reality that maybe your son or your daughter you've decided to name might take a look at the job and say yeah no thanks I don't don't want to do that I, I would like to pass on to the next person but if you are that next person and you know it What does that mean you do? Does that mean you call the first person, the first agent, or first successor trustee and say, I want to get copies of everything so I can look over your shoulder and see whether I think you're doing it right? Is that a role for a successor?
1: I don't think so, Robert. I think that that it really comes back to the principal, really comes back to the person who has created those powers of attorney, the person who established the trust in the first place. If you know that you're named as a backup to the backup, I think the best place to start is with the person who created the documents and to see how that person wants you to be involved. I, I think, Robert, we are really in favor at Fleming and Curdy in, in um, making sure our clients have autonomy and a voice as they age and as they need help. So it's really important that if you're a backup to the backup, sure you know talk to your talk to the person who you're the backup for but go back to the person who established the documents try and see what role they imagine you having because it may be Robert that their goal is to keep things as private as possible and it's not personal to you but they really don't think that you should be having copies of bank statements or getting updates from their doctors and so Robert whenever we hear from somebody who is nominated as a, as a secondary successor trustee or a you know, secondary alternate as agent. Gosh, what am I supposed to be doing? People aren't giving me information. I normally tell the person, I, I know that they are trying to make um, decisions and, and be supportive, but to cool it. Um, really, they do not have a fiduciary duty to the principal or to the person who established the trust the same way that the successor trustee or the agent does. Um, Yes, they may have a fiduciary duty down the road, but oftentimes people worry about their exposure or their liability if they don't know what's going on. Well, until you actually have a fiduciary um, power and obligation authority, it's not something that you're going to be necessarily exposed to, for instance, if the trustee makes a boneheaded move
0: although it's worth noting that if you are the second trustee second successor or the second agent on a power of attorney and you know you learn it not because of doing due diligence but you just know that the first person who's acting as trustee or agent on a power of attorney has stolen or misbehaved Uh, suddenly once you know that and you know you're next in line you, you do have a duty at least a moral duty if not a legal duty to spring into action and take whatever steps you can to to ameliorate the problem and take over um, to, to make sure that there's not a, a continuing loss but it's not the same as a duty to actively ask for accountings and and convince yourself that everything is is uh, is perfectly fine as you say Elizabeth. Uh, It's Again, it's hard to do, so hard to figure out what to do. So uh, let's go back to this kind of threshold question. When you talk to a client who says, should I share these documents with my daughter who's named as agent and my son who's named as backup agent, what's your advice?
1: My advice is to think long and hard about who you want to share the documents with. I wouldn't automatically share the documents, your powers of attorney, just because you think it would make people feel good. I would tell you, most people, when it comes to sharing documents, I encourage people to share powers of attorney way more often than I encourage people to share copies of their trust or their wills. Um, powers of attorney, we, we remind people, are only effective during somebody's lifetime. And those are the documents that, in case of emergency, are really important for people to know where those are. So in that, that scenario, Robert, that you painted, I would probably encourage somebody to have a conversation with the person that they'd named as agent about their prospective authority or fiduciary duty down the line, if and when needed. And I would have a conversation with the agent about the backup to the agent and, and what that person's role would be. If it would make you feel good as the person who established these documents to have a group conversation, by all means do it. But again, Robert, when I When I help facilitate those group conversations or discuss what they might look like, we're usually only talking about powers of attorney. Uh, I I seldom recommend that people uh, share copies of their wills and trusts just because, you know, if you change those documents, it can be really uncomfortable to to go back to somebody and say, yeah, can I have those old copies back because I just Mm -hmm. updated that.
0: It will not be surprising to anyone probably that my answer is pretty much the same. I I would I couch it a little bit differently I say to people often I don't care whether you share the documents with your agent or your successor trustee but I want you to tell them that they have a duty to come and look for the documents if you become incapacitated or upon your death or disability uh, and and give them a heads up about where to look so if you want to write a short note to your daughter saying hey you're named as the successor trustee and you'll find the documents in the binder on the bookcase in in our our study, that would be great. But you don't necessarily have to share the documents. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. I uh, I, I often wonder how much family information gets shared among families, and and how the secondary agents think about their duties. and um, And this has been a good conversation to give some framework to the people who find themselves in that position, or who imagine that they might be in that in that position, because as we've talked about, you might not even know that your your parents have named you as the second. Now, my name is Robert Fleming. I've been talking with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're two of the partners of the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and you've been listening to our podcast, Elder Law Issues. We are hopeful that you will listen again. We'll talk to you then.